Welcome to the Go All In podcast. I'm your host, Robert Bruss, and I'm proud to be bringing you these stories of everyday heroes from Sydney, Australia. Today on the show, our guest is Kaysan Kimberlin from Project Athlete. Before we settle into the show today, if you're a first-time listener, welcome to the podcast. I know that you're going to absolutely love Kaysan's story of doing whatever it takes to break through and to succeed. And if you're a return listener, welcome back to the Go All In podcast. It's great to have you here. As always, we love our repeat offenders here at the Go All In show. Make sure you just take a little peek at your phone quickly and hit that subscribe button on the app that you're listening in on as well. And that way you'll never miss an episode and you'll always have some inspiration right in your pocket every couple of days. And if you're watching this video on YouTube, don't forget to hit that subscribe button as well. And don't forget to ring that bell. That way you'll never miss an episode on YouTube either. All right, one last thing. If you like what you heard or hear today, please share this with your friends and your family. Kaysan has got a, a really, really important story and it needs to be heard. And if we can help just one person to break through their barriers like Kaysan did, that can only be a good thing. So let's share a little bit of the go all in love and share that as far and wide as possible. So I just ask that you share the show today if you like what you heard. Alrighty, let's get into today's show with Kaysan. Who here listening or watching this video has ever bought into the idea of passive income? I know I have, and I think we all have, in fact. Maybe it's a bit of a generalization, but I would say that we all want to get to a point, either with our businesses or our investments or both, where we have enough passive income to cover our bills so we don't have to work and we have some surplus cash left over to live the life that we want. Well, our guest today, she achieved that and much more very early on in her life. And she was loving and living the life that she wanted to. But in all of that success, she tells us that the whole business and the ideas that were behind it didn't properly align with her deepest core values. It wasn't, it was aligned, but it wasn't quite a hundred percent. There was nothing wrong with it, but in the hierarchy of importance and values, the business was at a number two. It wasn't a number one. And that became the undoing of all of the hard work that she'd put in. Kaysan has done so much work in herself. She's done more than most of us will ever do in our whole lives, I think. And she's had to reinvent herself and to fight to get back what she lost. And she has to fight to get back on the field and give herself a chance to score another goal in business. In that process of reinvention, she's had to go all in and it took her on a journey of true self-discovery. You're going to love Kaysan's go all in story. And I know that you're going to be absolutely inspired to do more after hearing it. I'm excited she's here. So please help me in welcoming Kaysan Kimberlin. Kaysan Kimberlin, welcome to the go all in podcast. It's great to have you here. Rob, thanks for having me, mate. I'm super excited about it. All right. Awesome. Before we get into this go all in craziness and all the mindset that this show is all about, I want to get to know you a little bit first. And maybe you can tell the listeners and the audience. Where are you from and, and what's your background? Uh, so I'm actually from a small town called Mathara, which is about three and a half hours north of Melbourne inland. It's about 60 k's north of Echuca, which is probably a little bit more familiar with. But I grew up in a small town, a thousand people. My folks had a caravan park, which we've had since I was six months old. Yeah, so I grew up here, and but I mean, I left home when I was 17, played sport, netball, and uh, was pretty serious in that, so I had to move to Melbourne for that, 
And then for the last 10 years, I've really been living all over the world. Tell me about netball. You, you went to Melbourne to play sport properly. Was it kind of semi-professional? Were you trying to get into yeah, so I actually started with, I mean, they called it, back in my day, they called it my day because I'm so old. Uh, back when I was playing, they called them state league clubs or premier league clubs. Um, I think they've changed it around a little bit now, but it was basically like I played with a lot of the girls that are in the main leagues now. Yeah, and I got, uh, I had a coach in the Thara who used to play Apple for Australia. And um, it was a man, a men's team. A lot of people don't know that there is a men's team. They're fantastic. And, um, yeah, he started coaching me when I was 14. And um, he had me in the highest leagues in the country when I was quite young. And um, he really thought that I potentially could go far. So I actually started traveling to Melbourne two, three times a week. Now, yeah, just for some, some reference, it's a six-hour round trip. Mm, long way. So the commitment from my mum was phenomenal. But I did that for about until I was 17, 14 to 17, I used to travel to Melbourne uh, to play pretty much the highest level you could at that age. And then, you know, the goal was to potentially go into the, the professional. But to be honest, I burnt myself out way too young. I shouldn't have. It, looking back, we shouldn't have done it that way, but we didn't know better at the time. So, but yeah, it was it was pretty serious. And then, um, yeah, I moved to Melbourne two weeks out of high school because I had to train, I had to be there. And obviously, as soon as my school commitments were finished, I um, you know, had to be closer to the team. So yeah, that's what I did. There's a couple of really big things in there that kind of set the framework for your transition from high school into adult life is leaving home when you're so young. That's, that's the first thing. And, you know, going and play sport and having to get a job and things like that. Was that hard for you? Look, I've got amazing parents. They set me and my brother up really well in terms of life skills out of, you know, out of adolescence, I guess. They mm -hmm. took us all over the world. They made sure that we were in and around Melbourne regularly. So they really set us up. So going from home to Melbourne, it actually wasn't that hard of a transition. We had some really good family friends down there that I'm sure mum and dad sort of said, can you keep, you know, keep an eye on her? But they gave us so much freedom when we were young, disciplined freedom, mind you, but they did. So it really just, it did set me up to just transition quite easy. Looking back, I probably didn't handle some of the stress that came with that level of sport well. I didn't necessarily have the emotional intelligence for it. Mm which is I actually quit when I was 19. I've only played a couple of seasons here and there for money, actually. I did it. So, yeah, I um, – but, no, the actual transition of leaving home, I, I was ready, yeah. And what about quitting your sporting dream early on because that didn't last very long. And what did you chuck in the towel for? You just had a gut full of it? That wasn't what, what you wanted to do? Yeah, look, like I said earlier, I burnt myself out. We just did so much of it when I was young. Mm. And I guess I just probably didn't fully realize what went into becoming a full-on professional. Mm. I think, you know, if I was to do it over, I probably, knowing what I know now, hindsight's a wonderful thing. I probably would have done it a lot better. But the other thing, Robert, just you've got to love what you do. As, you know, as we'll get into, I work with athletes and this you've got to love the grind and I just didn't love the grind you know look I wouldn't have been able to articulate it then but now looking back I didn't I didn't love that part so yeah that 40 minutes on the court an hour on the court wasn't worth the day in day out for me so that's probably why to be honest and 
I packed up at 19. I had an awesome job. Uh, I actually used to work for the North Melbourne Football Club. So I had a traineeship with them when I was 17. So I've actually been in the sporting industry pretty much since I started on and off. Yeah, I had an awesome job and I moved through that, promoted very quickly. But to be honest, I just probably need to get out there and live my life a little bit. So I actually moved to London when I was 19 and lived over there for two years. So yeah, I, I did a lot of things super early, but I, I believe it set me up well for where I am now. Yeah. And, and maybe you can dispel a little netball myth here for me for a dad of a, of a young teenage girl. And I, I see girls out there playing netball all the time. And I had Danielle in, in netball and in her first season of it, they came second and it was an indoor game and it was just kind of getting the, getting the kids to get into a bit of a groove into a team, meet new people and do all that sort of stuff. And I was the only dad there. And it was sometimes it was a little bit kind of, I was a bit of a fish out of water because I've got sons and I'm a, I'm a blokey bloke yeah. and we're here. Over there. Yeah. But all the, all the mums were really great. They were really helpful and stuff like that. And they made me feel really welcome, which I, I enjoyed. But she loved being part of a team and loved doing all of that. And it was really great. And it was okay because she's only little, right? But as I was watching, sometimes I'd be there and I'd watch the older kids and it got all a bit serious. Mm. Dispel the myth for me or, or maybe confirm the myth for me that it's, it's really damaging on your knees. Look, actually, a girlfriend of mine recently said to me about injuries, and I look, I've never had any. Lucky. But, yeah, I've, I, I've always had a really sound body. I did a lot of water sports when I was young, so I've always had excellent balance. So I've been lucky. But, look, a lot of girls do do their ACLs and do do their ankles. I actually, I think the statistic is netball is the second highest rate of ACLs in Australia, lawn bowls being the first one, uh, which is which is funny. <laughs> High impact lawn bowls. <laughs> yeah, but you know, no, it's it's definitely can be rough on the body, and it's actually a super physical game, very physical game, which people don't know because it is non-contact. But mm. it's very, it's yeah, you use your body a lot, and the smarter you are, the and, and the tougher you are, the better. Usually, look, I haven't played for a long time, but that that's how it was in my day, anyway. Yeah, interesting. Really, really. Yeah, no, it's 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 tough. Mm. It's really tough. And now the move, the game moves quick, so they're tough and fast now. Yeah, and they get some good publicity these days as well. There's good sponsorship dollars in there. People are making careers of it. Are people doing it in a full time capacity, playing netball like that as like full time professional athletes, or is it still kind of on the side for them? From my understanding, the higher tier players 100% are doing it professionally. They get a lot of sponsorship deals and stuff now from what I understand. Mm. However, I have seen a few of the other girls that I follow do have still have jobs and stuff as well. But look, I would say it's probably the highest paid female sport in Australia for sure. And I think, look, the media in general is just putting a lot more coverage into all things women. And, you know, because that has been predominantly the women, the woman sport, mm. it, you know, it's growing the fastest as well. So, and, you know, a lot of people play, a lot of young people play. So the more promotion, the better it is for the sport, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of, it's, I feel like it's really grown up in the last five or 10 years where once upon a time it was kind of just a sport that girls played, but it's really sort of come to the forefront. It's in the media all the time. The competitions are as part of a segment on the sports report on news all the time and stuff, and that's only, yeah. only a good thing. It would probably, I would, I don't, don't quote me here, but I'd probably go so far to say it's probably the highest participation of girls for sport in Australia. It was either that or soccer. I know soccer is the number one sport in Australia for, for kids, but I don't know if it is for girls as well, but 
Yeah, I'm really not sure. Like I said, I haven't actually played for a long time. I played a couple of times because it had, you know, some financial benefits to it, which were good for me at the time. But, yeah, I'm just not in and around it enough but i you know i hope to get some uh, female netballs on my on my show actually yeah very nice very nice mm. okay so thank you for sharing that with us and giving us a little insight into the early part of your life there it's nice to get a bit of background and and to share that people come on over to the go all in podcast to learn more about others that have gone all in so if you could mate could you please share with us your biggest go all in story or stories and the lessons that you've learned from your commitment to success yeah, definitely. Look, you know, I probably didn't know, and I love the phrase, go all in, because it really does, you know, sum it up. But I probably didn't realize at the time that I was going all, all in. It's only when I, you know, look back and connect the dots. But I um, got into my first business when I was 24, and it happened very randomly. I'd been living in America. I'd uh, put on weight. I'd put on about 18 kilos and um, I got back to Australia and I was really struggling to lose the weight. And I was nannying at the time um, while I was at university. And my boss at the time was involved with this nutrition company. He just basically really easily just said, jump on the products, they might help. I jumped on, they did help. And I fell in love with the program, with the nutrition program. And I actually joined his company. So that was sort of my first experience with entrepreneurship and owning my own business. And I actually did really, really well at that business. I was top 2% in the world in that business within the first 22 months. Wow. Yeah, it was. And, um, but one of the, the moments, probably the defining moment was I'd got back from a three month trip from, um, Central America, I've been over there by friends and the company had gone well. I had some really good people in it early. So the success was probably theirs, not mine to be fair, but uh, I did start it. So I take a little bit of the credit. And um, he said to me, you know what, you've got to move to the country. That's where, that's where the next part of your business is going to grow. And now anyone who knows me, I'm a city girl. You know, I grew up in the country, but I love the city. And uh, I had a great house in Port Melbourne. I had great friends. You know, my life was in, in Melbourne and I just respected him so much and everything that he had done for me and the person he had helping me to become. I just didn't question it. So I actually packed up my entire life and moved back to the country and I stayed for two years. And a lot of people I don't think would uproot their life for, you know, for a vision or a dream or a business. So it was probably that moment I think that was defining. I just realized that I was willing to do whatever whatever it took. Now, I actually lost that business a couple of years after that. Did good, did real good, but I lost it. I lost a lot of money with it. So I basically had to start from scratch. But what was, well, let me jump in there. What was the business that you that you actually had? So I actually used to have a division of Herbalife Nutrition. Right. So Herbalife is a multi-billion dollar company. It's obviously multi-level marketing. And we used to set our divisions up as mini companies and go forward as many companies and use Herbalife as a side mm. a side product, as, essentially. Yeah, so that's what we did. Like I said, my mentor was very smart. He was great at marketing. So we set them up as full-on businesses compared to sort of just side hustles, which a lot of people do in that industry. And, you know, I'm not involved with the company now, but it changed my life. So, you know, I'm, I'm a fan of MLM, especially if you don't, if you want to be in, in my um, business, but you don't know where to start. Mm. They're a great platform to start. I believe that. But when I lost the business, I basically, yeah, I had to start from scratch. What happened? You just lost the sales. You lost your momentum. The country moved, killed it. What was it? 
to be fair, I had um, some really good people under me that that went elsewhere. Right. And a lot of people went with them. And that that's a risk that you take in MLM. It's rare for it to happen at my level because they would have lost a lot of money as well. Mm. Um, so people don't usually move like that, you know. But, it, you know, it is what it is. And to be honest with you, Rob, it was a blessing because mm. I was uninspired. I was unmotivated. And the type of income I was on, I didn't have to work because mm. it's passive income, you know. And so I would flutter about. But if I'm honest with myself, I wasn't doing much for a good two years. And uh, if I look back, I was probably very unhappy as well because I had no purpose. You know, I wasn't motivated and I can't live like that, you know. So losing it literally allowed me to start from scratch. And I did with Project Athlete, which is, you know, what I do now. And, man, it's been a ride. It's been, it's you know, there's been more down than up. But being able to sustain myself in the business through those downs really showcases to me that it, it is what I'm meant to do. I love it. And, you know, I had to reinvent myself going into this business. So, I mean, it is the epiphany of all in because, <laughs> because I like, you know, I have nothing else. So well, there's a couple, there's a couple there, isn't there? Like you, some, sometimes trans, transitions are a big theme of going all in when you transition from a job to your first business and sometimes from a business that didn't work back to a job or into something else, which is what's happening in, in your case there. Was the death a slow one by a thousand cuts or was it something that kind of, how happened and you just cut it loose? How did that happen? Uh, no. Do you know what? I was sitting with my girlfriend on a Sunday afternoon, uh, drinking wine, having a good old time, just enjoying my big paycheck. Yeah, I got a text message actually from a girlfriend in the industry and she said, babe, we're here for you if you need anything you need. And I was like, thanks, but, you know, like what are you talking about sort of thing. And at the bottom actually she said, P.S., if you don't know what I'm talking about, call me. And so I was literally just enjoying my life. I thought I was enjoying my life. And, um, yeah, I called her and she said, you know, A, B and C have left and they're taking D, C and F and uh, it's gone for you basically, yeah. So it literally happened overnight. One moment, just there's a lot of way. there's not a lot of ways you can quantify it, how it went for me apart from income. So I'll just round it off. Say if I was making, you know, $100 a month, the next month it went down to 50 and then, you know, it stayed at about 20 for the rest. I still get, I could still get about 20 cents. So yeah, it just, it was overnight. So I had to pack up my life and, and just, and make a change. And to be honest, it's probably taken me a good two years to fully recover. Mm. But in that two years, I've had a lot of transformations. I've, I've started the new business. I've been, you know, I've, I've done a lot of work. So it's taken me time to recover, but even though I was on a lull and I have been recovering as such, I've made a lot of progress in in the meantime. So it was quick, but I guess the recovery has been slow, and I, I still I'm still dealing with some of the the fallout for sure. Interesting. You you also said something there which was uh, really really poignant, and I want to I want to pull on that thread if I may. You you talked about kind of well, I was just hanging around with my girlfriends, drinking a glass of wine, living life. It's pretty good. Didn't really have to work too much. It was kind of you know just getting the passive income, you know, doing living my life, doing my thing. And you know there would be a large percentage of people out there listening to this podcast or watching this video going, man, I wish that was me. I'm so sick of this job. I wish mm. I could just sit around and get paid a passive income to do mm. that. And I think that by its very nature, entrepreneurism is something that you strive for, for that to happen where 
your products or services are paying you a, a revenue stream that you don't have to work for that you've, you've set yourself up with your products and services and maybe there's a fulfillment task in there or something that you need to do mm-hmm. like that. But that's the goal of many entrepreneurs that I've spoken to over the last year and certainly the goal of many of the clients that I've worked with over the 12 years that I've been in digital marketing. And they always just want to get there and be fat, dumb and happy. And the way I describe it is, well, what are you going to do when you get there? You're going to just sit on your stump? Mm-hmm. and count your cash in your wallet, then what? Yeah. You know? Like, what are you going to do for the other 23 hours and 59 minutes of the day of when the you day. look at your bank account for one minute and go, oh, yeah, it's like, what happened to you? How come, did you sit on your stump there, fat, dumb and happy or what What happened? Yes, and and the thing it taught me, to be honest, because you hit the nail on the head, that's what you think you want. That's what I thought I want and I used to promote that. And I, I don't regret much because... Man, I learned so much, you know, and it has set me up to become who I am now and I like her and and I'm only getting better. So, but yeah, I was, look, I love nutrition, don't get me wrong, and I learned so much being in that company, but my passion is personal development. Mm. And so, you know, when I was in that company, it wasn't it wasn't super authentic for me. Let's put it that way. Look, there's a lot of personal development in Herbalife, obviously, because that's how I learned so much. But it all comes from the nutrition, and that's just that just didn't super resonate with my soul. It's like the second thing in line, I guess. Mm. And so, you know, when I was in the company, and you're making that type of money, there wasn't also a lot of creation involved because. I mean, Herbalife's a multi-billion, billion-dollar company and they have a technique, they have a plan and that plan works. And so why would you deviate from a plan if it works, Mm. you know? And so, but I'm a a creator. So when I wasn't able to create or go outside of that plan, I didn't think I was looking back. I probably could have a little bit, but I didn't, you know, I was advised to stay on route that killed a part of my soul, you know, I just, I couldn't. And so what I, what I understood is money and passive income and just being able to do nothing isn't the goal. And it, so that's what it taught me, to be honest. The goal is money's good. Don't get me wrong. It's security, but the goal is to just wake up every day and just absolutely love what you do. Like that's, that's my entire purpose. I, if I, you know, if I don't love it, you get the worst version of me. And, and I need to be the best version of myself to be happy. So I basically, you know, what losing it did and, and being in a position where I just got paid passive income, I've been uninspired, but then losing it, it allowed me to learn that lesson that passive income to do nothing is not the goal, mm-hmm. but it also allowed me to understand that I want the passive income so I then can do more of what I love. Mm. You know, it's it's purely a cornerstone of your passion, of your purpose, for sure. It, it definitely takes a lot of emotional and social intelligence and personal leadership to be able to actually recognize that in yourself and to be able to, to know those things. I was watching an interview yesterday with Grant Cardone and Jordan Belford, and they were kind of, they were going at each other and it was kind of fun and mucking around, you know, and, and Jordan asked Grant, you know, like, when are you ever going to give this up? When are you ever going to retire? And he's like, then what? Yeah. What would I do? You know, the guy's got a billion dollars worth of property and, you know, he's got all this, you know, he's really successful and from a financial perspective, but from a personal perspective, he's sort of like, well, yeah, that's, that's all important. That's all really good. But 
I've still got to do something with my life. I've still got to yeah. spend my time doing something and to make yeah. that happen. Do you, do you think that the re- part of the reason that you lost it is because it wasn't your passion? 100%. 100%. You know, there was obviously some politics involved and some like, you know, literal things that were out of my actual control, but I take full responsibility for me for me getting into the position I was. You know, the ending of the business wasn't that my fault. You know, I there was I cannot control the people. So the fact that that group of people decided to go elsewhere, literally out of my control. Mm. Uh, me being in the position I was when they went elsewhere, hundred percent my fault. You know, so and I believe, you know, sometimes the universe, I'm I'm big on above power, you know, however you want to look at it. The universe will literally send you into absolute catastrophic circumstances because it is like you are ignoring my little signals, you know, <laughs> and it was, it gave me plenty of signals. I just ignored it because I was too comfortable. Mm. So it had to make me so uncomfortable that I would, I would do the work one on myself more so, and then two on a new business or whatever, it, whatever it was really. Yeah. So it was my fault and I'm glad it happened. So yeah. Be- beautifully articulated. And thank you so much for sharing that as well. Cause it's a very, it's a deeply personal story and I really appreciate you sharing that because there's many lessons in there for the people that want to go out and earn passive income and sit on their stump and do nothing. Well, that's awesome. But make sure you've got something to do with the money when you, when you get there and there's something else to create, right? hundred percent, hundred percent. Even if it, you know, it doesn't have to be about making more money. Mm. You might just indulge in volunteering. You just got to have a purpose. Mm. Did you do anything naughty? In terms of what? I mean, I haven't been that good my whole life. (laughs) In terms of of what? Well, you know, like if I think about being in a position of passive income and sitting there, you know, the the idle mind, you know, does the devil's work. Did you do anything that like you felt was kind of not aligned to your personal values or and, or, or you just didn't really do anything. You weren't progressing in life. I really didn't do anything. I'm pretty, look, I've, I've definitely, there are some things, you know, that I've done that I look back and I'm like, oh, I, I probably lost myself there. Mm. I'm not happy with that decision. But overall, no, nah, I just, I just did nothing. Mm. Man, I was living a life though. I had a PT three times a week. <laughs> then I used to go to this super expensive gym. So my like health costs, on their own a month were like four grand. You know, I had a chef. I had, you know, like it was, it was stupid. And I was just cruising around, you know, the one, the one good thing though was I never brought a fancy car. So my, I never had big car repayments when I lost the money. So that, thank dad for that one. And I did have a house. I had invested. Mm. So I had been, you know, I have, I'm not in a real bad situation. Mm, um, you didn't lose I had it all. Some, it's not completely lost. No, 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 no. I just lost the passive aspect. So I was, I didn't do anything like super crazy, but I lived well. I used to travel a lot. You know, I had obviously had the, the chef cooking the meals. I had the, the couple of different types of PTs. Mm. You know, I had the, the real extensive wardrobe, that sort of stuff. I had the real nice apartment. Like I was living well on a day-to-day basis, but nothing super crazy, mm. you know, or, and, and nothing too far out of my value cortex. And, and you know, I have to accredit my parents for that as well because, you know, they, they let me be free, but they're very much there with, you know, the right and wrongs and, and let's, you know, 
let's stay on track a little bit. So, you know, I had good parents in that regard too. That's that's beautiful that you get to credit them and hopefully they hear you say that on yeah. the podcast when they listen. It's really important. As, as a dad, I would hope that at some point in their lives, my kids will say the same thing. They probably won't, but if hopefully they do, fingers crossed. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you just, yeah. I have a lot of opinions around parenting, even though I'm not a parent, but you just got to want, you know, you just got to love them and you got to give them the freedom to be who they want to be. Totally. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And if you do that, they're going to love you, mate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. son, that's a, a, a beautiful story. Take me through the transition, the, the two year transition from where you were to where you are now. You said there's a whole lot of personal development in there and personal growth and you know, I think each and every person goes through that at some point in their life and it's part of the human experience. It's, you know, sometimes people suffer from a loss, you know, the, mm. the death of a loved one can help force you to transition and be reflective of yourself and become a better person or a worse person. And people yeah. have all sorts of challenges and reasons for personal development. And it sounds like you discovered it earlier on in your life and you're lucky that you have because you don't want to be my age and end up being you know, just yeah. discovering those things. I feel fortunate as well that I discovered personal development type stuff when I was a bit younger as well. But what's been the biggest learning for you over the last 12 to 18 months, you know, that you've learned about yourself? Because I know you're outside of this podcast and I wanted to, to ask a couple of questions of things that we've talked about. But for you, what's the, yeah. what's the highlight that you've, you've changed from? Oh, that's a good question because, you know, I really put a lot of work into myself. You know, it is it is the one thing that I never sway from, no matter what's going on. You know, I had to change a lot. I, th I first heard, when I first heard about this, it was your thoughts create your reality. That was probably one of the first comments or for things to change, you need to change. And I guess I looked at my life and, um, you know, I looked at the seven areas, you know, I break it down in seven areas, you know, family, spirit. Uh, mental, career, financial, physical, social. So I looked at each area of my life and I said, what, what's good? What do I want to improve on and what can I get rid of? And basically what I did, Rob, is I just I went through and I just I basically it was like what sets your soul on fire in each area? And and then I went about, you know, finding people that were going to help me move forward in each of those areas and look I think the biggest thing through the through the journey and I can touch on the types of types of work I've done if you want but through the journey I think the biggest thing I realized is we don't really control anything <laughs> you know like what we control is our input um, we can literally only control that and how we see things man, everything else, it's just happening around us and we just need to get on board, mm. you know, and I, I genuinely believe that. So I think the biggest thing, I've, I had to unlearn a lot of short-tempered type of behaviour. Um, I had to unlearn a lot of reactive behaviour. I've done a lot of work in that area and in all facets as well. And I had to learn that things, you know, are on the way. They're not in the way, you know, and, and that's that's chilled me out a lot, you know. So... But I also just had to work out what were the things that made me good, you know, that made me an optimum performer. Mm. And then I had to energize those areas. So, you know, I know my triggers. I know what's going to allow me to do well on a day-to-day -day basis. It's learning about yourself from the inside out really is probably the biggest thing. And, 
yeah, I spent a lot of time, a lot of money and a lot of resources into continuously understanding what makes me tick. And I mean, I have a long way to go. I'm only 30, you know, but I've got a pretty good grasp on it and I'm not afraid to change. I'll change at the drop of a hat if I need to, to get what I want for sure. Beautiful, beautifully said. Yeah. And it was, was there a, like a book, a mentor, some YouTube? What was it that connected with you in the early days? Look, I started off uh, Herbalife days with Jim Rohn and, you know, he is like obviously one of the godfathers of, of personal development. So Jim Rohn used to actually work with Herbalife for 20 odd years. So they're big into him. He was amazing. So Jim Rohn I started with, I actually had a meditation coach for two years. I really needed to understand how to control my emotions Mm -hmm. and meditation was key for that so they were sort of the early days I always have something positive in my ears and I think in entrepreneurship you have to because you need to hear other people's failures and then success stories to understand that you're on the right track Mm. things just take time but look to be honest the two the biggest influence I think would be Dr. John D. Martini uh, his philosophy and his breakthrough method, which I literally, I always have this thing. If I was on, if I was dying, I know it's morbid, sorry, <laughs> but if I was dying and I could tell my friends and family one thing, it would be do a breakthrough weekend with, with Dr. John D. Martini. He, it really changed everything for me. So him, Dr. Joe Dispenza has been pretty vital in my success. I mean, I don't know him obviously, but his teachings as well. But I think another thing that has really enabled me to grow is solitude, you know, understanding who you are on your own. Mm. And, and I'm talking on your own, you know, I'm not, I'm no mobiles, no computers, no books, no nothing. Like if you are able to just be on your own for long periods of time, you can pretty much work anything out. You know, well, we, so, we connected on a call recently and, and I hadn't spoken to you for a little while. And, and you said to me that you'd been on a meditation retreat, right? And yes. what was that, 10, 10 days? Was, was that right? Tell, tell us about that. Yeah, so for Pasna, a uh, huge practice all over the world. They've got the, the centers everywhere. Basically what it is, mate, it's freaking crazy mm. to be fair, but but I loved it. So it's 10 days. I went to Jakarta in, in Indonesia. You can do it in Australia, but I really wanted to remove myself from all things comfortable. So I went to Jakarta and it's basically like a compound, you know, so just imagine – like you've got the, the cement huts, you've got the cement walls, you've got the big sort of meditation palace, I guess you call it, and it's at Bali. So you're living off taps, bucket showers and all that sort of thing. So you, you, they basically try and take you out of your senses and completely remove you from everything comfortable. And it's 10 days straight. There's no talking. So, And when I say there's no talking, there's not even talking through expression. You can't make eye contact, smiling, all that sort of thing at other people. They try and make you avoid that because they really want you to feel like you're on your own. So you meditate for 12 hours a day. You fast for 18 hours a day. Uh, there's no exercise. So again, exercise would be considered external, like filling a void internally with exercise sort of because it, you're concentrating so heavily on that. So there's no exercise, there's no yoga. The most you can do is sort of walk around this, what I was referring to a prison track. And uh, so that's that's the practice. And then when you are not meditating, you are in a five by four room completely on your own with and no electronics, 
no writing. I'm a big journaler, no writing, no reading, definitely no music. Like <laughs> it is just you and your thought process. And, but man, that, that experience I feel like has made me bulletproof oh, because, really? oh yeah, like the the internal confidence it gave me because you don't know how long how much time you have until you've got nothing to fill it with you know One like days a long 20, time long and 10 days is a huge amount of time for 24 hour blocks of silence mm. you know so but i learned i look i didn't learn what they expect you to learn from the vipassana meditation which i won't get into but it, it's a particular technique where they really try and strip down your senses i didn't get a lot from that side of the technique but what i got a lot from in the solitude is that we really have all the answers inside us and when we give out our subconscious our soul or our you know intuition whatever you want to mm. refer to it as when you give that part of yourself time and space to actually develop ideas and thought processes and stuff like that man you can really come up with some good stuff and mm. look i had done i did well with it there was a lot of people who just broke down they were breaking down left right and center and just just and you could hear some of the girls it was actually a little heartbreaking they would be in their room sobbing you know, because they obviously hadn't done a lot of digging deep mm. into their deep-seated, you know, roots of any traumas they'd had when they were younger or whatever it was. Um, but for me, I had done a lot of, because de- I'd done so much demartini. So for me, it was just a real break, you know, and it, it gave me time to really assess myself and understand that I'm super happy. You know, I, I love what I do. I'm on the right track. I tweaked a few things coming out of it. But yeah, it made me strong because... If you can get through that, I mean, I don't feel like there's much else that can, you know, it's just understanding that moments pass. Mm. The only thing you have now. And it was interesting, mate, because the only times that I was anxious was when I was too far in the future, you know, because you can't control that. Mm. But you think about it so much, you get anxious and you get anxious because you can't control it. Mm. So, and then the only time that I was sad, and it was a handful of times, is when I had thought too far into the past. That and, and some work that I hadn't cleaned up on emotionally, emotional energy wise, which, you know, I've addressed since I've been home. So, but when I came back to what's happening now, you know, I, a few times I was crying with gratitude at how good my life is. Like it's, yeah, it was an experience. It was good. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. Wow. That's like, yeah. it, it kind of makes me want to do it, but not want to do it. And, and I'm yeah. wondering, just hearing you say that, like, the first couple of days must be really hard, but then you get into a little bit of a rhythm of it. Did, did you find your mind, going to the same sorts of things all the time or because I have such a hard time meditating. I just, mm. I can do a guided meditation. That's no worries. And, and I've, mm. I feel that I get good benefit from a guided meditation where I'm stopped and I'm sitting and I'm, I'm in nature and I can listen to what's going on in my ears and concentrate on that. But the minute mm. I take those earbuds out of my ears, my mind is just like a, I don't know if you remember the video game Frogger where the little frog had to cross the road and the cars would, this is old school stuff, right? The yeah, old yeah, know this, yeah. But the, the, the cars were going across the road and the idea was that you got to dodge the cars and get there. My mind yeah. is like Frogger. Is our, I look at it yeah. and I go, there's no way I can get across the road there to, to silence or yeah. think on the other side of that. It's just too much happening on the video screen of my mind. And I've never yeah. been able to quieten my mind no matter how hard I've tried I probably need some training to do that properly mm, mm. but my mind always goes back to that funny analogy of a frogger I look and I go oh my god there's just so much yeah. that happened to me so much that's about to happen to me and so much that's happening yeah. now what, what, about yeah. you? what about your mind where did that kind of rest look 
med- like I said, I had a meditation coach for two years. Awesome. So, you know, I, cause I was like you at the start, but what you, you know, what you need to understand is the brain's a muscle. Mm. You, and you know, you can develop it the same way you would any other type of muscle. Yeah, I know so, that when I do a guided meditation that I can, mm-hmm. I can do it. It is possible. You can yeah, for sure. I think. I think the other thing is just also accepting that your mind is going to wander, mm. you know, at all times. You just got to bring it back, you know, and you just got to have the the quickness to be like, okay, you've wandered, come back, you know. My um, mind is like the puppy dog on the leash and the leash breaks and it's like, it's like <laughs> and I'm yeah. whoa, man, I, I can't run that fast anymore. And I'm like, yeah. and, I, and I'm, I finally catch up to the doggy who's having a, having a crap in the bushes, you know, and I pick him up, put yeah. him back on the lead and I turn around and go, which way did we come from? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. I mean, I guess you need you need to understand that the mind can only focus on actual one thought at a time. Mm-hmm. Even though your thoughts are going from thought to thought to thought, it's only ever one thought at a time. So if you can train your mind to focus on your breath or your chest rising and falling, that's basically how you can get yourself in the process of quietening because it's like you're busy, you're busy, focus on your breathing. So then the mind has something to do. Do you know what I mean? That's the key, giving it something to do. Maybe coach me here a little bit because you've got a bit more experience. Like I've tried so hard to do that and I swear like I've tried, I've sat, you know, like the monk on the mountain and concentrate on your breath and to do that and and be comfortable in it as well. And then I always find myself at the end of it saying to myself, why would you want to do that anyway? Yeah, yeah. Look, I think the thing is you're trying hard. Mm. You know, it's an e. It, it should be a seamless process, but again, it comes back to accepting that it takes time. Mm. You know, and that's why I think some people look. I, I have a long way to go. I actually just start restarted with my meditation coach on last Monday night, but it takes a long time. And I think understanding the the reason why people don't get it and they quit is because their minds are so busy and they they are like you can't do it and so they quit and so it's like you know it's like going to the gym you go to the gym you don't get the result you stop you're right back at the start and then you do it again you stop you're right back mm. at the start so meditation is the same it's but you so you just got to work up to it five minutes seven minutes ten minutes you know it, it takes time but understanding that you're never going to get rid of your thoughts ever you know they're coming whether you like it or not. So I think that's sort of the key thing. But I think for me, and look, this is a D Martini thing: the life hierarchy of of priorities. Your you will always act and think in accordance to your highest priorities. So for me, my highest priority is my business. You know, it's and it comes out when I do the life hierarchy of priorities worksheet from from his teachings. It comes out on like 15, 18 and everything else is sort of down at five. Um, it, you know, it's a number process. So for me, when I was over there, it always came back to my business. But, I, you know, I, I got some great stuff. And, you know, my I actually will accredit a lot of my future success probably to that 10 days. And then, you know, some other personal stuff that it probably went back to that I hadn't been, you know, I had some negative energy, some negative charge within myself that I hadn't released yet. So those were the two things, my work first and foremost, and then some, you know, some negative charge around some personal stuff and then just other stuff, you know, I'd just be, you know, random, random stuff here and there. And it was funny. I tried to, in my room, when I, you know, cause you're spending hours on your own in that room. I tried to sing, sing songs. And, you know, I'd be listening to a lot of music and there was literally four songs the entire 10 days that I could actually remember. And I was trying so hard to remember the lyrics. Yeah. 
You just couldn't remember anything. <laughs> so, yeah, for me, my mind always goes back to my business mainly, yeah. Yeah, right. You, you said something there that was really um, impactful for me um, and it kind of like made me think, well, maybe I should go back and try that meditation thing a little bit more and, and get back into that, even though it's like been really hard for me. You, you said that at the end of that, you felt bulletproof. And for me, when I heard you say that, I was like, yeah, I want to. Okay. I want to feel bulletproof too. <laughs> yeah. Come on. I just want yeah, to feel. Yeah. What does that feel like for you? Look, it's subtle. I'm not going to say that I'm walking around like with a couple of briefcases in my hand type of confidence. It's, it's subtle. It's just the knowledge that no matter what, the next minute's going to roll on over and whatever just happened, I'm going to be able to deal with it. Mm. You know, like there is not too much stuff uh, that happens that you can't get over, mm. you know, where you can't get through and there's not an emotion that you can't have that you can't get past. Mm. Uh, feeling your emotions is very important. I say that a lot to people. Just sit in the uncomfortableness of yourself. You know, you might be lonely, you might be angry, you might be whatever. If you, you might be jealous, you know, they're the neg- that's the super negative emotions. If you can sit in those emotions absorb them and then let them go as your as everything passes you're fine mm. you know like and understanding that everything will pass it just gives you a real internal calmness i guess um and and that's what it is for me look again rob for me it's, it comes back to my family my parents i'm able i think to have that type of calmness like don't get me wrong I'm not where I am because of my parents. I do the work. I do a lot of work. And and that's my favorite phrase, do the work. Mm. So I do, but knowing, I guess, in the back of my mind that they've always got my back and that I'm always going to be okay because of them has allowed me to develop this internal confidence with the work I've done. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, I understand some people, it may take a little longer for people because they don't have my support network. But for me, because I have that network, I allow them to help me. Allowing people to help is important. Something I struggled with for a little while, but allowing. And then I do the work on top of it. Mm. That's where the bulletproof comes from. And the 10 days, that just sealed the deal for me, you know, because I put myself in the most uncomfortable position human can be in, Mm. voluntarily, obviously. And I came through. So you know, that's how it happened for me. Yeah, it's beautifully, beautifully articulated. I I think many of us have got reference points in our lives of that was so damn hard that anything else that comes at me is just kind of like, whatever. That's not a, not a big deal. I remember uh, uh, just a a small aside, but same, same, but kind of different. Mm. When I was in the infantry, we were overseas in operations and not having a shower for like six weeks in the tropics and Mm. you, you close your camouflage uniform is not camouflage. It is just like one, one color and like it's kind of greeny brown, like olive drab, almost like the, the, like the uniforms, the Vietnam yeah. guys wear just cause you're filthy. Right. And it's just dirty. It's dusty. It's hot. Yeah. The dry season it doesn't rain. So you can't even go outside and have a shower in the rain, but, and you're living in the dirt and you're going from, from yeah. one place living in the dirt to another place living in the dirt. And after about two or three days of it, you, you don't smell anymore. You just, you don't smell it on yourself right. that's the first thing and your mates are around yeah. you like that yeah. but just the the relentless heat and the relentless non-relief of you know just something that you take for granted every day having a shower sort of thing oh, that really really yeah. really stuck with me and i just remember constantly drinking water out of a bottle 
And most of your life in yeah. a Western country, you're used to drinking a glass of water from a tap or from the fridge. Yeah. But constantly yep. drinking out of a out of a plastic Mount Franklin bottle of all things, remember that just being annoying me and just like, oh man, I, I've drank like five of those one and a half liter bottles today. Even though I'm so thirsty, I can't drink another Mount Franklin bottle of water. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it saved my yeah. life, you know. If I didn't do that, then yeah. you die. That type of thing. And, yeah, of course. You know, just the extended periods of time doing those, living in those yeah. environments and living rough living on rations didn't have a hot meal for like five weeks or something ridiculous yeah. like that patrolling through the jungle with bad guys like you know worried that you're gonna get your head blown off or oh my god it's like anything after that is like whatever <laughs> yeah i mean man you just said to me oh on a smaller scale yours is a way bigger scale than mine yeah, but you're doing you it know? with your mates so it doesn't really compare and like all of you's complain together so you've got somebody yeah. to complain with and and yeah. when, as an infantry guy, you, you kind of look around and there's always, always, always someone doing it worse than you. And yeah. you're hoping to look around and see someone doing it worse than you. So you can kind of giggle to yourself internally like. <laughs> yeah. uh, sucked in, mate. I remember complaining, you know, like carrying like all of this equipment and the weapons and ammunition and stuff and then complaining about it. Then, then my mate just like glaring at me and it's like. Yeah. What's wrong, man? Aren't you sick of carrying all that? And he's like, I'm carrying the machine gun, you moron. Like, uh, <laughs> so I'm sorry. So I got nothing to complain about. You want to swap? And I was like, no, 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 I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> you do. You do you. You take it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's like kind of like the reference point I've got are, are fun and really funny because uh, they were kind of the best and worst times of your life type thing. Yeah. But yeah. to go and do that by myself, that seems so enormously challenging for me just to kind of be detached from my business and my family for that amount of time is like really 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 challenging yeah no i mean yeah like and look it's the one thing you know my biggest i guess if if i like you i will and and i genuinely care for you my way of like showing that is recommending pd mm. you know or recommending podcasts or you know, and people, t most of the time, I'm sure people just ignore me. But for me, that's how I express like mm. some sort of, you know, care. And, but this, that 10 days, it's the one thing I wouldn't say to people, oh, you should do it, you know, or you should, <laughs> it's something that you have to decide for yourself because yeah, it, it wasn't easy, but it, like we said, it was, it was amazing for me. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Let's move off that and talk to me about Project Athlete, having a little bit of belief to launch something new to reinvent yourself and the grind that it's been. Tell us a little bit about it first. What is it? Yeah, so Project Athlete is a health mindset and motivation online company. So the company's kind of split into two. Uh, how it works is the one side, the health side, is a we have two main health programs. So we've got the 444 challenge, which translates to four kilos, four weeks for $40. And so we target both men and women with that one. And that program, like the name suggests, helps people lose, you know, the four kilos in four weeks. We're having some really good results. But the unique thing about this challenge is we focus heavy on time management and we focus heavy on personal development. And the reason that we do that is because I believe that those two things are critical in obtaining and sustaining a, a health result. Mm -hmm. I also believe that they're two, two of the things that are least promoted within the health industry. Mm. So we give a lot of value for $40 and we've over, we've overvalued and, and we do that 
because we want people to understand that they can change if they want to and we have made it as palatable for people as possible to change because man when someone starts to change there is nothing that makes me happier like when I see progress obviously from a weight point of view but from a PD point of view that that really gets me going I love it so that program's super authentic to me personally because I, I put so much work into into really enabling that program to, to change people and then follow on from that, we've got the 12-week transformation program. We only take a few a few people who actually complete the four-week challenge into the 12-week program mm-hmm. because it is a transformation program and, and people need to be ready, I believe, for that. And so that program actually features my business partner who is a professional athlete. So he recently just signed his second year in the NBL. It's actually his third year in the NBL. He signed his second year with the Cairns Taipans. Uh, he just announced that, so it's good to say. And so he features and he promotes it and he's the face. And uh, so the, the background, it? I guess, pardon? Who is it? DJ Newbill. <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, I guess you sort of have to know basketball, but anyone knows basketball knows him. He's um, he's hard. He's a hard player and he's got a lot of heart on, on the court. And and for me personally as a business partner, he has really, he's taught me a lot. So, um, and, he, and he's good to work with. So that and... Um, yeah, and then the, uh, the second part of the company is the online success series, which I host, and I basically just interview professional athletes online and and live in person. And look, we've got that side of the company one because I love talking to to high performers. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually started that series because I wanted to associate with high performers, and I just had access to athletes. But you know, the objective in terms of putting it out to the public is that. You know, I want people to understand that success has its ups and downs and even the people who are the best at what they do and in this in this regard it's sport, you know, they've had their ups and downs as well. They're going to happen. So no matter what, you should, you should follow your dreams and your passions. So, yeah, so we use athletes to promote our programs as well. I'm To be honest, mate, I'm really just the project manager. I just move all the pieces, <laughs> all the pieces together, you know. I bring in excellent nutritionist she's amazing um i bring in dr d martini facilitators you know i have i have some other mentors that really help out in different areas as well so you know i bring the best of the best and and i, I put them into a program and and uh, try and help people change their lives i love it. I, I really enjoy uh your show and i love that a lot if people wanted to watch that on youtube what's the best way to do that uh so you just need to go to project athlete p dot com and they're all featured they're all featured on there as well so you just go straight to the link i think it's actually under casey and kimberlin uh it's stored on youtube under casey and kimberlin but it's easy to go to the website and just and click through from there yeah yeah awesome i've watched um many of those interviews there and i really i love what you said about wanting to talk to high performers and that and i get to do that all the time and i think the thing is you know podcasting is such a great and popular thing because you get to spend time with people as a fly on the wall hearing their version of a goal in mindset or something else that they're talking about and i think that's why it really connects with people because we forget when you see someone like your business partner there on tv shooting hoops and and kicking ass and doing what he does in the nbl you think man that could never be me if i was an Mm. aspiring basketball player but the reality is he started somewhere as well and the reality is it hasn't been a straight line to success for him either and it's just great to to hear those things so you're doing a great job sharing those stories that's a really important thing to do to you yeah yeah and i mean look you know i moved to Cairns 
when he first got signed there because we had to film a lot of our content. So I actually, we, we lived together for the first sort of, uh, I don't know, about four months. And, you know, I really did get to see firsthand what an athlete does, you know, and it's interesting, you know, people, yeah, it is. And people think, you know, people think that it's all glitz and glamour and the glory, but, you know, they be doing, they only be on the court for two hours a week sometimes, mm. you know, the, the day in and the day out and the sacrifice that he has to go to to be able to do that for 40 minutes a week. Mm. It's a lot, you know, a lot goes into it. And so, yeah, I think, and look, I think using athletes, you know, is excellent because they are so popular, you know, like I guess, you know, entrepreneurs and stuff like that, we love it. Mm. But Joe Blow, who goes to his nine to five, he's not trying to hear about how good us entrepreneurs are, you know, but we can get an athlete or an actor or, you know, those types of mainstream industries and hopefully people take note because they watch them on TV or, you know, stuff like that. So that's the sort of the idea that we've gone gone for with that program for sure yeah yeah beautiful has it been a uh i wanted to ask you about the grind of doing something new because you said that you're doing exactly what you should be doing you're on track you're on point you're tracking towards your target and your destination but it's not easy it's a daily grind tell us tell us about that and how you how you sustain and keep bringing your a game every day yeah so it has been a grind i actually so how sort of project athlete was uh born so I was a nutrition sponsor for the Brisbane Bullets the first year they came back into the NBL about three years ago with my Herbalife company. Mm-hmm. So I sponsored them. So I was just spending a lot of time in the industry. I spent a lot of time in the semi-professional leagues up there as well, sponsoring a couple of teams. And what I was seeing, Rob, was these athletes, two main things I saw. One is the impact that they had on people, you know, like, just you just wouldn't believe how much some people love these guys it's like insane you know especially young people Mm. um and then the other thing i saw was a lot of athletes look this is only some every everyone every case is individual but i saw that a lot of them weren't going to be able to sustain the income that they were making whilst playing after they finished their sport Mm. some potentially may but i a lot of them that I've, you know, just in my experience, they maybe be able to sustain the income, but they hate what they're doing, you know. And for an athlete who has been able to live their life doing their passion, that is heart-wrenching, you know. It's it's not a time in which, you know, I've seen that they enjoy. So Project Athlete was born originally because I wanted to in, use their platform to impact people's lives but also teach athletes how to earn a, a different stream of in-course, mm. income sorry, via different, you know, sources. So, yeah, Project Athlete was born. It was actually born with a guy named Tori Craig. And I look back at, at our time together and I laugh because we had no, I had no idea what I was doing and he definitely didn't know what <laughs> he was doing. But um, soon into starting the, the program, he or the, the company, he actually got drafted to the NBA. Right. So I lost my business partner pretty much straight away. So I had to, so Project Athlete took a little bit of a backseat. And then I met DJ and I introduced the idea, the concept to him and, and he was on board and he really, you know, enabled me to to kickstart the company off and, and put me in a position, you know, to create what I wanted to create using what I'd seen and the platforms and resources and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, the idea is good. 
Rob, and a lot of people have good ideas. I think that's one thing you really know in this space, but getting it off the ground, you know, and I had been a face-to-face type of person, Mm. so going online, that was tough, you know, and so we hired a company um, who taught us for a year how to take a business online. And I mean, just learning the software that you have to know to be able to put a business online, you know, like that was crazy. And then, yeah, so that we spent that year and then the marketing that comes along with going online, like I like to describe it, you just keep get kicked in the face, you know, like in, in the online mm-hmm. space. So day after day, you know, I felt like I was getting kicked in the face. We had to, uh, in the face, we had to, you know, DJs overseas a lot in Europe. So we had to put things on hold for three months. Then obviously I had to move to Cairns because that's where he was. So I had to be able to film. So basically, you know, what happened was you start, you stop, you start, you stop. Um, you get a bunch of really good leads and then they don't come through. So there's just, there is a lot of start and stop with the online industry. Um, yeah, a lot of setbacks, a lot of just twigging you know, what's going to work, what's not going to work and just continuous learning um, and then bringing all the people together, you know, personality, stuff like that. So honestly, we've had more losses than we have wins, but sustaining it, this this 444 challenge, like I said, it's very authentic to me. So I love it. And so just getting people results has, has it really helps sustaining a business. I think, you know, when people tell you their results, it's so exciting. It's like you're getting the result. But then the other thing is the work I do on myself enables me to to stay present in the business and to understand that it is my purpose, you know, and however it evolves. I think one of the biggest things I've learned is you've got to be flexy, you know, you've, you've got a vision on how something's going to look and then something happens and, you know, it, it doesn't look like that anymore, but you still got the same concept. You just move the parts around a little bit. So staying flexy, but to keep myself as a high performance, I'm, I've got a really rigid morning mood routine. Like I said earlier, I know the things that, that make me tick. And so I focus my energy, energy on them basically. Yeah. But I mean, the grind, entrepreneurship, it's all grind. You know, if you, if you can't spend time not earning money and not getting anywhere, then you shouldn't be. And being okay with that, you shouldn't be an entrepreneur. So, I mm. mean, but sustaining the grind is, I, I love it, you know. And- mm. I, I've been I've been doing the Gary V thing in the last couple of weeks. Is, along with the grind yeah. is the hustle, right? You've got to hustle in new people into your ecosystem, new people into your network, yeah. new customers. And I've been hustling like a crazy person yeah. and it's working. And for me, I sat down at my desk this morning. It's a Monday morning as we're recording and I've been up. Since 5.30, I went to the gym. I had some food. I got my daughter to school. I did my morning routine. It was all good. I sat down at my desk and I was yeah. like, ugh. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> and I, and I, I wish I had a buck for every time I sat down and, yeah. and grunted like that and, and did that. I, I think I'd have, you know, I'd be more yeah. successful grunting yeah. than being an entrepreneur, yeah, you know, because it it's is. a grunt. And I gotta sit there and I got to look at that spreadsheet and I got to get that done. I got to email those people and do it. It's, but that's it. That's just being in business. That's been, you know, you want to work for yourself. You want to go and do that in small business. You want to have an online empire. That's actually how it is. It's just, it's not all, all rainbows and sunshine and unicorns but all the time. It's really less it's of work. those things really and hard. more of the other stuff. But I, I mean, when <laughs> yeah. you get a win, I, I, do you know what? It's actually probably a lot like being an athlete. You know, those that 40 minutes that you get that win in, in entrepreneurship, it just outweighs everything else. And, you know, you've got to have the passion for that reason, for that reason, for sure. Yeah. Mm. 
the really like the good thing that I like being about an entrepreneur, my favorite thing actually is yeah. I have a daily yep. win. There's no way that goes by for me that and a daily win for me, it means either a really great podcast like this and it's a really fulfilling thing to do because you and me having a convo for an hour or so and, and recording that and being able to share that with the world. That's a an important thing to do. So I feel very fulfilled when I do that. But also yeah. then helping people and products and services that I have really do make a difference in people's lives and helping other people to amplify yeah. their messages via podcasting for me is a really good thing. And, and every day I have those wins and sometimes a couple of times a day and it's like, got it, yeah, yeah, I got it, got it, you know, cause I know how deeply passionate people are about wanting to share their message. So that's the, the best thing. Maybe it's not like scoring a try on the footy field or, or kicking a goal on the footy field every single time, but you know, cause that's once a week I'm yeah. doing it on a daily basis. That's where I really enjoy that aspect. 100%. Okay, son, let's move off that. And uh, as we, we close out this podcast, we're nudging up against an hour and a bit here. And thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing your view of the goal in mindset and sharing us, sharing the inside of your business. Yeah, no really problem at all. I, I love chatting with you. So, um, and I mean, who doesn't love chatting about their own business, right? Yeah, yeah that's exactly yeah, right. That's, that's yeah, what no, it's, it's been real it's good. good. Thanks. Cool. Well, I can't let you go without doing the podcaster thing and putting you in the go all in hot seat. It's a couple of random quick questions in no particular order, not really associated with anything we're yeah. talking about, but it kind of is. The first one I got for you, you've traveled the world. What's your favorite holiday destination? Ooh, Vegas. Vegas, baby. Yeah, I'm a Vegas girl. Look, I have a, I probably have a, like a top three Vegas for the good time. South Africa for the just the general traffic uh, travel that that's amazing, and uh, Barcelona. Barcelona's a good time too. But I mean, if I had to pick one, I'm taking my girls to Vegas. Just the partying, and what? What is it? Is, is it true? Does it stay in Vegas? Oh, stays in Vegas. Uh, but the hype, man! You can do anything in Vegas any time of the day, and it's just you know, it's it's just fun. <laughs> it's just a good time. You know, I'm a I'm a real good time. Like I love a good time. I'm very introverted. I, I spend a lot of time on my own, um, you know, I, yeah, as we know. But, man, once I'm out, I am good to go. You know, I love it. I love a party. So Vegas for sure. All right. Beautiful. Well said. Well said. All right. Number two, do you have a uh, a favorite author or a favorite YouTuber? Ooh. Look, I would have to go with Dr. Joe Dispenza, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Not necessarily favorite author, but favorite book. I also love um, the monk who sold his Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, I'm a big Grant Cardone fan, uh, but no, no real favorites. Probably more just impactful people. Very nice, very nice. Well said. Yeah. What's a what's a skill that you have not yet mastered? Sales. Yeah, that's actually where I'm putting all my energy at the moment. I have realized I've had to do a lot of work, but I've realized that I'm just very, this is what it is. Do you want to do it or not? You know? Um, more and, to it and than that. <laughs> yeah. And that's not how sales, how sales work. So yeah, I, um, but I'm aware. So I'm putting a lot of work into, into becoming better at sales for sure. Very nice. One of uh, sales has been near and dear to my heart for a very long time since I got out of the military. In fact, because as an entrepreneur and a business owner, you have to learn to sell. And I did a lot of, a lot of uncle GC, a bit of Grant Cardone that was always there. And, and recently I discovered a lot of, I did a lot of Jordan Belford training as well. Mm -hmm. Straight line sales technique. If you don't know that I'd recommend that, but my favorite of all of those, uh, so those Jordan Belford and and Grant Cardone, I I love that stuff. But the, the thing that has been the most impactful for me is Oren Claff. And okay. yeah, Oren Claff and, and his book, Pitch Anything. So highly, highly recommend 
that if you're into into sales or you're just into everything is sales you know you want to go down the pub with your mates you've got to kind of sell it to your missus or you want to go on a holiday and do something you've got to sell it to to your partner as well so um, yeah yeah, it's uh the Oren Claff pitch anything methodology for me has been the, the number one thing that's kind of turned my business around and helped me make an incredible amount of money using that technique yeah okay awesome thanks for that check it out check it out cool all right what's the last one last question what's the what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received nothing's in the way it's on the way for me you can apply that to absolutely everything and it's not you know a strategic business advice it's it's just a mindset that enables you to keep going and and i think in business that's the main thing you know just sticking at it so yeah that's that's my it's my go-to nothing's in the way it's on the way i love it beautifully said yeah beautifully said well kazan thank you again for coming on the goal in podcast we really appreciate it if people want to connect with you what's the best way to do that so we've got instagram which is project athlete p that is our company instagram i personally am kaysank so k-h-a-y-s-a-n-k and i'm starting to use that a little bit more for it for a business point of view um but then also you know our um our website projectathletep.com as well so jump on there all right and if you're listening to this podcast just have a little peek at your phone and right there in the show notes are going to be the links to Kaysan's website and to her socials and if you're watching this video on facebook or youtube just scroll down and they're right there in the show notes for you as well before i let you go Kaysan, have you got a parting comment for us no but i think not a comment just a just a phrase you know find out who you are as quickly as you can and and do everything you can to to live your highest truest self for sure that would be that would be my comment beautifully said well thanks again for coming on the show we look forward to speaking with you soon it's bye for now thanks rob bye Well, there you have it, folks. If you want to connect with Kaysan, just take a peek at your phone and you'll see all of the links to her websites and her socials right there so you don't have to go digging around for them in Google. And if you're watching this video on Facebook or YouTube, just scroll down and all of the links are right there in the description. If you like what you heard today, really, really appreciate a review as well. So as you're looking at your phone there, just hit that leave a review button uh, and that helps the show out a whole boatload as well. And don't forget, to share the Goal In podcast far and wide. I ask that you just share it with one other person that you think might get some value from this show. As always, if you've got a question or a comment or some feedback, you can reach out via the Goal In socials or you can send me an email at any time. Just visit goalin.com.au for more information. Well, that just about wraps it up for the show today. So whatever you're doing, whatever you're working on, get busy, get to it and go all in. I'll see you next time. The strangest feeling to know what to believe in. Because mm. every time you touch me, I can't control my body.